You're listening to audio from Pillar Church of Jacksonville, where our goal is to know Jesus and to make him known. If you have questions or want to know more about us, and can text Pillar to 94000 or visit our website at pillarjacks.com. I feel like before I get started preaching that I need to address a couple of things. Number one, if you know uh, Rich's occupation for the army, the fact that he needs glasses is kind of entertaining. <laughs> uh, if you don't know, he is a veterinarian for the Army, and so you can imagine how needing glasses would be quite helpful for that. Um, the other is, mentioned that we were going to be in Ephesians, and as of Monday when we met, we were going to be in Ephesians, uh, but I called an audible about halfway through the week uh, because of... The song, still, the song still pertains, though, Chapman. Don't be embarrassed. Very good. I would have, I would have uh, told you that, to change some songs if, uh, if that were different. But uh, during our meeting, it was, uh, uh, we kind of set up songs to align with our, with our text. And so it kind of helps us to, to understand. But we'll be in 2 John. 2 John as a state of the church Sunday. Remember, uh, like it was yesterday, uh, I pulled up to my girlfriend's dorm room uh, with her in the car after dating for a few months, uh, maybe, maybe several months. And, uh, I mean, this was the day I was going to tell her that I was going to mention those three little words, you know, those three little words that are hard to come by. And so I looked over at her and I said, man, you know, I've, I've really, really grown to have a deep affection for you and I, I love you. To which she looks back to me and says, okay, bye. <laughs> and so uh, you can imagine as I'm sitting there in the car as she gets out and is sprinting to the front of the dorm room uh, that I, I, my emotions were a little bit in check. I was like, man, what? I don't know if uh, or what to expect her or what to do. Like, uh, you know, the thing is, is that when we, when we use those three little words, and we truly mean them, there's a, there's a vulnerability that comes and happens inside of us that when we tell someone that we love someone, that we genuinely love them, and, and we're met with no love in return or a lack of saying it uh, in return, it kind of causes us to, to like, whoa, like what? maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I, maybe I was too vulnerable. Maybe I should have protected my heart a little bit more. But that's really the way, not the way the Bible describes love, especially for the Christian. For the Christian, the Bible describes love more as a command that we must love one another, that we must love one another. And I'll tell you that uh, that, that girl that, that at the dorm room uh, later became my wife, and 27 years will celebrate in March, and I'm still waiting for her to give me those three words to tell me. She's, she still hasn't... You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But for some of us, though, like, those three words just don't come easy because of the way that we are raised, the way that, that life happens, that, that we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable. Like, you know, maybe you were never, growing up, you were never told that, that you were loved or cared for or even shown in that way. So for you to say that I love something or love someone, there's a, there's a vulnerability, vulnerability there that you don't want to cross, C.S. Lewis says it this way, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. 
If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, must give it to no one, not even an animal. But carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries, rapid, uh, and, and avoid all entanglements. Matter of fact, you should lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe and dark, motionless and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. So how many of you enjoy that word vulnerable? I don't enjoy that word vulnerable. Like for me to, to, to be vulnerable means that I have to open myself up to others that I don't really know that well. Especially when it comes to the kingdom. But yet, this is what we are called to do in the life of Christ. We don't close off our hearts to others because we are afraid they might get broken. No, we open our hearts to others because we are commanded to love one another. C.S. Lewis goes on to say this in Mere Christianity. He says, don't waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Just act as if you did. Act as if you love your neighbor. As soon as we do this, we find one of the greatest secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. So when you're acting in this way, that you will, that you will actively engaging with someone in a way that you love them, guess what will affectionately happen? You will begin to love them. And so as we think about 2 John, I think we can all agree that loving someone with all of our hearts can be hard and messy. But at the same time, it is not only necessary in our text today that it is commanded. Second John, if you're not familiar with the Scriptures, Second John is almost all the way to the back of the book. There is First, Second, and Third John, then Jude and Revelation. So you can turn all the way to the end and start turning back. If you don't have a Bible, of yourselves, Bible for yourselves, as Rich said, feel free to grab the one that is underneath the seat there. And if you don't have a Bible that's yours, feel free to take that with you, use it, have it. Uh, it's our gift to you. Um, and use it, use it. Maybe even jumping in on the book at a time Bible reading plan would be advantageous for you. Verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us, and will be in, with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, know as I know as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you, would walk, you should walk in it. 
For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is your word. Lord, it is truth. It is truth in love. It is truth that guides us and shapes us and transforms us and conforms us to your image. So, Lord, I pray that you would use it today. That would, cut, that, uh, that would be used as a sword that would cut through bone and marrow. That would sharpen us and help us and guide us and direct us. That your spirit would work and wrought in us a heart that is desiring to obedience, towards obedience. And abstaining from the things that are wicked. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. As we... As we think about this text, I want you to kind of walk away with one big idea this morning, and that is this, the church from the text is to abide in truth and love while helping one another fight against wickedness. Wickedness. The church is to abide in truth and love while helping, helping one another fight against wickedness or sin. This word abides means to act in accordance with, to, 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 to conform to. So to abide in means to rest in or obey, to rest in Christ. That is what we are called to do. So abiding is obedience, resting in truth and love. And so my first point this morning is the truth, the truth, binds us together. The truth binds us together. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you have believed and received as the gospel of John tells us to do, if you believed and received, we are bound together by the good news of the gospel. We are bound together by the truth that is in Christ Jesus. But you may ask the question, like I do oftentimes, or as others have, what is truth? What is truth? The world has many definitions of truth, right? There's a conversation between Jesus and Pilate that takes place in John 18, which we'll get to eventually later on in, in, our, in our going through the Gospel of John. And he asked him this question. He said to him, are you the king of the Jews? To which Jesus answered, are you saying this? On your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew. How am I supposed to know who you are? Your own nation and the priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. And therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. You're confessing that you are a king. Jesus said, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. For this I have come into the world. And I testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. To which Pilate responds, What is truth? So we see this interaction between Jesus and Pilate. Question is ultimately answered. If if you say you're the truth, what is truth? It's a question that we as Christians, as God's redeemed people, must answer. If I believe that there is a truth, what do I base that truth on? And Jesus says, you base it on me. Because Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And, if you, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, what's the only thing that can set us free from a bondage of sin and slavery? Jesus. So Jesus is truth. He is the only truth in this world. But the world tells us there's more relativism. That we can find truth in anything. And in all things. That the morality is not based on an absolute standard. There are no absolutes. Is what the world will say. Rather, ethical truths truths depend on variables such as the situation and culture and one's own feelings. Imagine what that will get you. Because the Bible says our hearts are ultimately wicked. But the world says, trust your gut, trust your heart. Follow it, go after it. But the Bible says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Him. He is the truth. And so the truth is found in the person and the work Of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is truth. And that the son of God. Who did not consider equality with God. As something to be grasped. Instead he took on the form of a servant. Taking on the likeness of humanity. Coming as a man into the world. He humbled himself in the obedience to his father. He suffered a brutal punishment, an agonizing death that we deserved. So that all that would call on his name will be what? Be saved. For all those who would, who would call on his name will be forgiven of sin. For all those who repent and believe the gospel will be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the truth of the scriptures. That's the truth found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. 
That when we repent and believe, we are grafted into the heavenly kingdom, the heavenly realms of God as sons and daughters. Set apart from the rest of the world and to walk in light of His truth, this truth that Jesus is truth. Off the passage like this in 2 John, where we see Him writing to the elect lady. Now, there's some division on who this elect lady is. Is it a person that was discipled by John? Or is it to a church? I believe it's written to a church, but I was asked a great question this morning. Whether it's written to a lady or whether it's written to a church, does it change the context of the writing of this epistle? What's the answer? Absolutely nothing. It's not. Absolutely not. It doesn't change anything. It changes nothing. I believe he is writing to a church, though. I believe he is writing to a church. So to the, the elder, to the elect lady and her children, that would be to the, to the church and her members, whom I love in truth. What have we established? Truth is found in the Scriptures and who is Christ. Not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. So I'm writing to this church, John says. This is written by the Apostle John, by the way. Whom I love. I love you in truth of the gospel. Because of what Jesus has done, this that binds us together, I love you. But all who know the truth, I love. Because the truth abides in the Christian. Not only does the truth abide, but so does grace. God's unmerited favor to us. His mercy, although God could destroy us, yet He shows us mercy through Christ Jesus. And peace found in believing in Him will be with us. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father, Son, in truth and love. These two things going together. Binds us together as a church. The truth of the gospel is why we gathered this morning. I hope you realize that. It is great to fellowship with y'all. It is good to see y'all. It's good to, to, to hang out with you guys and to talk to y'all. But the reason that you gathered here this morning, I hope and pray, is because of the good news of the gospel that brought you here to hear the preached word, to hear the teaching from scriptures. What Jesus has done is our rallying cry for us. And what do we do with this? We gather to rejoice. I don't know about you, but when we were singing those songs this morning, my heart was rejoicing in the goodness of being able to do this together and listen to the voices that are crying out to God. We rejoice greatly to find that your children, the, the members of your church, that they are walking, they are being obedient, they are being gracious to one another. They're walking in the truth. They're walking in light of gospel clarity. Are you, are you doing that this morning? 
Are you walking in the truth of the gospel? The gospel that saved you from your wretched selves and destruction. Are you walking in light of that good news? Are you obedient to God's word? Are you obeying his commands to, uh, to walk in a worthy manner, uh, in, a, in a manner worthy of your calling? Because you were commanded by the Father to know that the truth is what binds us together. It is what brings us to this place to worship in spirit and in truth. The spirit that saves us and shows us the reality of who he is in Christ Jesus. The manifestation of his, of his glory came down to earth. So we are to walk in this truth. But we're also to walk in the love of this. Look at, look at my second point. It says this, love overflows from obedience. Love overflows from obedience. Verse 5. Now I ask you, church, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love. That we walk according to His commandments. That you would walk in obedience to who Christ is. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you would walk in it. That you would walk in the spirit of truth, but also you would walk in a love and an affection for one another. And that it is out of that obedience for Christ that you would love others. That love overflows from an obedience of following hard after Christ and His gospel. This commandment. What does Jesus say is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with what? Are your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And as a result of this, of this vertical love, how does that play out horizontally? That you would love your neighbor as yourself. This is the commandment that we've had from the beginning. This is no new commandment that Jesus repeats in the New Testament of Matthew, right? He's repeating what we find in the book of Deuteronomy. So it's not a new commandment that Jesus gives. He's repeating what's already been commanded by God for us to walk in. To love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. How will all peoples know that you are my disciples? What does John 13, 35 tell us? How will all peoples know that you're my disciples? By how you love one another. How do we separate ourselves from the rest of the world? By the way that you act towards others. The way that you love one another. The church stands out and is distinct from all other entities in that you love one another. And so when the church is fighting within one another, within itself, and we're arguing over things of little importance, 
What are we showing the rest of the world? That we're just like them. That we're just like them. But yet, yet, we are supposed to be so different that it is radical. That it is, it is extreme. Because of how we love one another. Because of how we love our neighbors. How we serve them. But where does this love come from? It comes first from obedience to God. You get this, right? Like it's so clear here. This is love. Verse 6. That we walk according to His commandments. That we walk in obedience to His love, to His call for us in righteousness. To love God and neighbor. The third thing is this. So we help one another abide well. We must help one another Abide well. Verse 7 takes a radical shift in tone. He goes from encouragement, walk in the truth, walk in love. And then verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist, meaning those who are against God. I want you to notice all the negatives that happen in the midst of this. Do not. Those who do not confess. Verse 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose. Verse 9, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide, does not have God. This is, a, this is a warning. In verse 10, if anyone comes to you, does not bring this teaching. Does not, do not receive him in your house. He's talking about the church here. He commands them to verse 8, watch yourselves. Watch yourselves and your doctrine closely. Because there will be some who come into the midst of your church that will desire to lead you astray. That will desire to, to lead you towards false teaching. There will be some who come into the church who will not have God, but yet look like they do. Do not. Be deceived. Do not be deceived. Yet, watch yourselves. Watch yourselves so that you don't lose the full reward. We have to help each other do this. The, the, the truth that we know of the gospel binds us together. And out of obedience to that gospel, and out of the knowledge and the wisdom of that gospel, leads us to love one another well. 
And the same way and fashion, it also leads us to protect one another. We would help shepherd one another. That if you're a member here and you see another member in sin, what should you do? You should confront. Because we're to watch yourselves. One of the reasons why I believe this passage is written to the church is there's a plural here. Watch yourselves. This were just an elect lady would say, watch yourself and your children closely. Doesn't do that. He says, watch yourselves, church. Watch your doctrine. Protect each other from walking in foolishness and sin. Help confront. Help people to walk towards repentance. By speaking the truth in love to them. And by loving them, you do this. You don't neglect this in the church. This is the warning. We must help one another abide well. And if you're here this morning, you're kind of just like walking in sin. Just let me encourage you. Like God's grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient in Christ. That if you will turn away from your sins, you will repent of your sin and turn away from it and walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Ephesians says, we didn't get to it, but we, 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 maybe we will one day. It comes from Ephesians 4. That you would do this. That you would help one another abide. Well, to rest in Christ above everything else, that you would do this. So I want to transition a little bit in our time, a little bit of time that we have left. As I mentioned last week, numbers are helpful for me. As we think about, we're we're kind of in this middle of the book of John, and we're taking three weeks off. Two weeks ago, we talked about foster and adoption. Uh, Hopefully you were here for that, and And God pricked your heart to at least uh, jump into the fray of uh, being a part of the solution for the big gap that rests in Onslow County and in North Carolina alike. 165 foster kids being ready for foster or adoption in Onslow County. Only 48 potential suitors for those 165 kids. It's a huge gap. How How do we jump in? And then last week, Looking at the number of unreached, unengaged people groups, 3,171 that are unengaged, have not ever heard the gospel, just people groups. What are we going to do? How are we going to be faithful in just jumping into that with the little church here in Onslow County? Just got to be faithful. But what about our church? So this is a state of the church. This is the state of the church, and so one of the things that we do is we talk about ourselves a little bit, which we don't ever do in the life of the church, except on this Sunday. We'll talk about some things that we want to do, desire to do, to, to give vision for. So what about some numbers? In 2016, we baptized zero. In 2017, we baptized zero. In 2018, baptized one. In 2019, we baptized four. 
In 2020, we baptized four, and last year we baptized 12. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty sweet progression, right? I don't like the zeros, but I also know that outside, I've preached, we've preached the same gospel since I've been here. And even before I got here, this same gospel was preached. That God is in control of those numbers. But we just want to walk in faithfulness. To see God do something in the lives of the people in our community, in our church. Walk in this. What about adoptions? Last year we had one adoption. The year before that we had several adoptions. The year before that we had several adoptions. By God's grace, in the year to come, we will have more in the pipeline this year that we would do this well. So as Rich laid out for us, our purpose is to know Jesus. It's not our only purpose, but it's kind of the way everything unfolds from knowing Jesus and making Him known. Well, knowing Jesus has always been pretty clear for us, right? Hey, just come to church on Sundays, and guess what will happen? You'll know Jesus more. Why? Because we're going to preach Jesus. If you go to a community group, guess what will happen as a result? You will know Jesus in an even more robust way because you sit around with the Bible with other believers and talk about what's happening in the, in the Word. If you want to take it even further in knowing Jesus, go to a discipleship group. Go and be discipled. Go and be a part of that close-knit community where you confess sin to one another, talk about the Word together, and where you become a little more vulnerable in front of other people, right? And we want to do this together, knowing Jesus. But making Him known has always been a little more nebulous. All right, I know I'm supposed to go reach my neighbor, who I'm supposed to love, but yet his dog comes over and on my lawn and does his business, right? But I know I'm supposed to love him through it. So I know that. I know I'm supposed to, to, to make him known. I know I'm supposed to love my coworker, yet all he does is think about himself or herself. I know I'm supposed to make him known to, to all the others. Maybe church planting we're supposed to do, right? We'll talk about that a little bit. It's always been a little bit nebulous, a little lacking clarity. And so today, I want to add some clarity in light of our, our text of the truth and, and, and knowing what it is to love and walk in love and truth. It's to give us a little bit of a path forward when it comes to understanding and, and, and helping us to put something to paper on making Him known. So I call it the Making Him Known Initiative. Uh, you can click the next slide. Uh, man, I thought I was going to be able to read that. I'm glad I printed this out. Can y'all read it up there? Can y'all read that? If you can't read it back here, all those back there, turn around and look at that screen. All those up here, look at this screen. You can see it probably. But anyway, uh, making him known initiative. I guess I should have made it a little bigger. All right. Making him known initiative. The first part of this is church planting in North Carolina. As Rich said, uh, there are three additional bases that we want to plant in North Carolina. Uh, those three bases are Fort Bragg, are Cherry Point in Havelock, and also Seymour Johnson in Goldsboro outside of an Air Force base. So we want to 
plant churches in those communities, in those military communities. So if you're not familiar with who we are, we are a church uh, that plants churches, yes, but we're part of a bigger organization that is called the uh, Praetorian Project. And Praetorian Project's goal is to, to plant churches around military installations in hopes of reaching those members, military members in their context. So we have churches, three churches up in Virginia. Is it three or four? Four now, Pillar Stafford. Four churches in Virginia, two here in Jacksonville, Onslow County. We have one here, and then we have Pillar Topsail, our church we planted in November of 2020. We have uh, three or four churches in California. We have one in Okinawa, and we're looking to plant additional churches in San Antonio this year and also other areas. And so for us, though, as a church, we're focused kind of on our own uh, what's happening here. And so we have momentum, as you heard uh, Rich say, towards Fort Bragg. And so we already have a, a leader there, someone who is going and planted them there, working for apartment life and doing ministry already. And so we want to continue to see that happen, happening. We got contacted about, uh, about, what is it, three weeks ago now of a church in Havelock uh, that is desiring to give us their building. And so we had a meeting. We had a meeting with them and uh, and. I uh, got an email back this week that they are desiring to meet with us again next, next week uh, in hopes that uh, we will uh, take over their building and plant a church in Cherry Point right outside the base. I mean, you couldn't get any closer to the base than this church. And so opportunity for that. Great building doesn't have any work, much work that needs to be done. So opportunity for God's already opening doors, right? So we want to do that by 2028, by 2028. The next one is uh, that... And so as a reflection of that, we would want to go to the next side. We want to raise up and equip ready leaders, so we're, we're in the process of doing that. We want to have a prayer, this as a prayer focus for our church, and we also want to develop core team members because we want uh, as much as humanly possible for us to send people out of this church to go to that place. Uh, and I know that seems, maybe that seems odd to you that we would do that, that we would send away our people, but if you've been through our membership class, you know we care more about our sending capacity than our seating capacity. If you don't believe me, uh, we sent 10 families in November of 2020 down to Pillar Topsail, and man, they had, I think it was 80 people last Sunday, praise God. And so we don't mind sending our, our best away because we believe, if you read Acts 13.1, who did they set apart? Paul and Barnabas, the two main teachers and leaders in the church. And we, we want to, as much as possible, follow in light of the truth of the word. All right? So we want to send out our best. Next one is Community 5. Uh, this is reach five new families from the surrounding neighborhoods closest to our church. If there's one area that we probably haven't done as great a job on is reaching those uh, in our neighborhood, uh, those that are in holiday, those back here in the neighborhood back here, and all the apartments that are on the other side uh, over there, and even, even to Terawa Terrace over here, uh, that we reach five new families from the surrounding neighborhoods closest to the church. All right, And so I'm going to keep going here, but that's, this is what we do. So we're going we're to keep this in front of you as much as humanly possible. Uh, the next one is local outreach, that we would be involved uh, in local ministries, so like Onslow County Pregnancy Center, uh, which is not an abortion clinic. It's actually in a clinic that helps people to steer away from abortion. Uh, we want to be involved with them. We pray for them at times. Onslow Community Outreach is a, a one we want to get behind. Also, foster care and adoption agencies that we can correlate with. So this is part of, hey, how do we make him known? Well, we want to think about um, planning in North Carolina for our Community 5, for local outreach, 
And then our last one is, which we talked about last week, is international missions, international missions where we engage with our international workers in Iceland, UAE, and Gospel to Okinawa to see existing churches strengthened and new churches planted. I preached way too long on Second John, uh, so I won't spend much time talking about what that looks like. But you will see more come out about this. But here's the thing I want you to, I want you to understand and know. I am not that creative. Your elders, five of us, we're really not that creative. All right, we, 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 we love the word. Uh, we love to dive into the word. We love the gospel. We love to preach. But creativity is probably not our best giftings, right? For us to reach the community around here and for us to engage in, uh, in some of the mission work that we need to do, we need people like yourselves who are creative, who have been giving different gifts than we've been given to help us to intervene into this. Number one, one way you can help us is, is maybe, you, maybe, maybe you've been coming to the church for a while and you're like, man, I, 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 I don't know if I want to be a member or not or I haven't walked that path of being a member. Like, I would just encourage you, like, become a member of this church. Become a member of this body. Like, join with us in this work to, to make him known here in Onslow County. I, I implore you to do that. Like, if you believe this vision, if you believe that what we teach is truth and that we actually do what we say, that you actually believe that I do love you, man, you should stay because I do. I do love you. Like, even if this is your first Sunday, like, it's funny. I tell, I tell guys all the time I love them, and you should see their reaction. Like, they're like, uh, okay, okay, pastor. Yeah, they never, they never ever repeat it except Brian. Like, he, Brian doesn't mind doing it. But I'll just tell them just for the fun of it, like, hey, man, I love you. And it, you, the, I mean, just that, that surprise of, like, another dude telling that, especially in the military context, right? We're all big and tough. Like, we can't say I love you unless it's to my wife, you know? I don't even, like, tell my kids I love them. What are you talking about? Um, you know, and so, but there's this, 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 but there's this idea, like, we, we, we love one another. And that we walk and we bind, and we bind to ourselves together in this truth and love uh, to walk in newness of life. But let's, uh, let me pray for us as we think about the church here. I definitely had some more things that I wanted to say. Um, let, me, let me do this. Let's, let's... Oh, there was one more that I forgot. Um, can you go back? I did forget this one. This is important. That last one, you probably can't see it. But it's the pray to win one person this year. Pray to win one person this year. Now, you may say, that's not biblical. I don't control that. You're right. You don't control that. There's a little book that's similar to this one. It's called Evangelism by J. Max Stiles. And what he says in that book is, every year in January, I just pray that God will allow me to win someone to Christ. I've been praying this for 20 years, he says, and every year God has been faithful to answer his prayer. Well, where does that come from? Well, 1 Corinthians 9 tells us this. To those outside the law, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. You see, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might win some. So this win word is not new language. But if you're a believer here this morning, I just implore you to pray this prayer that God would help you to win one person to Christ, whether it's family, whether it's a friend or a co-worker, or even your neighbor. 
that you would be faithful in this. And then in Acts chapter 4, just the beauty of that picture. where They had all things together. Their hearts were binded together. They were walking in unity with one another. They, they were praying for boldness and that God was giving them the boldness they needed. I pray that you would walk in this light. They were united around the truth of the gospel. And in so doing, they were obedient to give. Did y'all catch what Barnabas did? Barnabas sold his land. Then he comes in and just lays it at the apostles' feet. So the question for you is this. Like, are you giving to the efforts of this church? Are you giving to the efforts of seeing Christ known and helping us to, to know Jesus in ways that I pray is transformational for you? That we would walk in this faithfully together. The New Testament doesn't lay out how much you should be giving. If you want to sell your house and give us the proceeds, by all means. But the Lord loves a cheerful giver. We never talk about this, by the way. If your first Sunday's here and you're like, man, I bet they talk about this every Sunday. How many Sundays in 2021 do y'all remember us talking about money? I think I can count probably none. Right? But I do understand, like in this context, that we are to be giving to the work of the kingdom. And so it helps us to make Jesus known, to do the mission work, to go to the unreached, and that we'll be faithful in doing this. Wait till I'm praying. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that as we think about this, we will walk in obedience to your gospel. Lord, as the, I pray that you would just help us. Help us to fight against sin. Help one another to just abstain from it ourselves and then help others to fight it. We need you. We need the truth of the gospel. We need you in our lives. We need you to change us and transform us. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen.